0: The Chicago Bears sit alone at the top of the draft. Speaking of the top of the draft, it looks a lot different than we thought it would four weeks into the season. Who are the top five quarterbacks in this class? All that and more coming up next on the Draft Countdown Podcast. Tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your host Brian Bosworth, joined as always by my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 203 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes, and 20 seconds away from the 2024 NFL Draft.
1: It feels like a nice spot where I think we get a, a good sense of the college teams and the college side. I think we're starting to get a sense of the NFL side and where teams, the team needs and what people are kind of doing. So I think it's a good spot in the football season to take an take account, take an in inventory of everything.
0: Definitely some surprises there, especially on the NFL side. We're going to get into that a little bit here in just a second. But uh, as a reminder, as always, if you're following on live in the chat, go ahead and ask a question there. We'll answer it at the end of the show. Or you can go to Twitter, at DraftCountdown. Drop us a question there. We'll answer it as well. Or... We ask you to join our Discord server, and uh, and if you need to know how to get there, go to DraftCountdown.com, top right of the search bar. There's a link to join the Discord, ask questions there. Plus, you can just chat about any anything you really want, football or otherwise, there as well. Also, if you're finding this video and you're new to the channel, go ahead and uh, subscribe to the Draft Countdown here on YouTube, and uh, like the video, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Get notified uh, when we go live each and every week here on the show. Shane, um, you know, normally we wait a little further to get into the season before we talk about, like, the draft order and stuff like that. But I figured, you know, this will be a good week. Let's just go ahead and start it up. Let's let's see how it changes as we go through here. So four weeks into the season, here is the top ten currently of the NFL draft. There are ten teams currently, one in three or worse. They're all in the top ten. That's the, that's the cutoff line here. Starting with the number one overall pick. The Chicago Bears. The number two overall pick, the Chicago Bears, as they have the Carolina Panthers uh, first round pick from the uh, trade up last year when they came up to get Bryce Young. The Las Vegas Raiders currently sit at three. The Denver Broncos sit at four. Uh, They could have been in the top as well had they not had that comfort behind uh, win over the Bears this past week. Uh, Minnesota got their first win this week over Carolina. Uh, they are now 1-3 and three at picking fifth. The New York Jets probably didn't think they would be picking sixth when they signed Aaron Rodgers, did they? But four plays into that season, and look where we are now. The New England Patriots not used to be in here. The top ten under Bill Belichick, also 1-3. Pick eight. <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals, 1-3. Oh. We're going to talk a little bit more about them in just a second. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, a team I think we thought would be a lot higher on this list, currently ninth at one and three, and the New York Giants, another team that I maybe we didn't think would be quite this bad as they played, uh, also at one and three and picking number ten. Any uh, any thoughts on that top ten, Shane?
1: Uh, I th- I think it's interesting because we we have what one two, uh, three playoff teams from last year in, in this top 10 right now. Um, so, you know, we always have that kind of changeover. And then from number three to number 10, I mean, it, they're all the same record. So right now it's just by strength of schedule, which is going to – that's how you the, the draft is ordered. That's going to change wildly even if all these teams lose every game, which is, isn't going to happen. Um, but I think it's interesting. We're starting to see Chicago's really not good again. <laughs> And Carolina's really not good. So the Bears have both those picks. I don't know what you think. I think they're both going to end up worst case in the top five. Probably one of them is number one overall.
0: Did did Um, I see see some math guy said that right now the Bears have a 57% chance of drafting number one?
1: Yeah, I I saw that as well. I'm not sure. I think it's kind of like the odds of winning a game versus everyone else. So I don't know. Yeah, it feels a little high. Right? It does. Games don't does. come out that there's way. Still
0: Twelve. There's still 15, uh You know, thirteen games to play. Yeah, but I mean, they're they're bad, bad. So they're they're not.
1: Good. I I get it, and I've said before. I think looking at this list, I think there's one team in this top ten that would not take Caleb Williams' they had number one overall pick.
0: That and that would be the team picking a the Cincinnati. No, I mean, Cincinnati team. Bengals, right? Yeah.
1: Everyone else would absolutely
0: yeah. take care of the Bengals. Yeah. No, no, no doubt about it. Uh, I'm I 100% in agreement there uh, that the Bengals are the only team pe- and And for my sanity's sake, I hope they're not picking the top 10 at the end of the season, but we'll see how that goes. Um, so while we're talking about the NFL, let's, let's, uh, let's hit on some, some quick news that broke today. Uh, big free agent signing, uh, was it this offseason? The Chargers signed J.C. Jackson away from New England, and, uh, well, I guess it didn't work out because four weeks into the season, he's been traded back to New England, and they're doing a pick swap of sixth and seventh round picks in 2025, So which means this is a salary dump, no more, no less. Which
1: is funny because the Patriots didn't want to pay him this offseason that deal. So that's why he signed with the Chargers. Now, the Patriots, Christian Gonzalez, their first round pick is out for the year. They're like, wow, we we have to have a corner. (laughs) And he knows the system. Well, we have the cap space. Let's pay the money. You know, it's interesting.
0: Am I to assume that, you know, his. The Chargers are going to eat his bonus, though, right? Because I mean, they right. would have had to have done the side. So this is just they're paying the salary for the bulk for the rest of the contract. They're not on the hook for the signing bonus.
1: Yeah, yeah, which was it was wild that he was inactive last week for the Chargers. I just don't I don't even know how you get to that point this early in the season to be like this wow, has this, to be one of that the all
0: time worst free agent signings, right?
1: It does. Um, I mean, I, we had another one today. The Denver Broncos released Randy Gregory, who they signed to a big right. deal this offseason, too. So, still so Albert Haynesworth. We're not quite there, but it's uh true. If, if, and if anyone out there recalls that, uh, Washington Redskins at the time that signing was $100
0: million contracts before it was a thing,
1: before it even existed, and wow, it blew up in their face. But yeah, this is pretty bad to give up after four games on a top tier
0: free agent. So, I don't want to get in the crux of all of the NFL here, but basically I want to talk about two teams. And well, so we'll just start we'll start with the Steelers, who are 2-2 two and two, currently slated to pick. Well, technically they're considered a playoff team. And they're in
1: the playoffs, playoffs, yeah, in the playoffs right now.
0: Which, uh, but they don't feel like a playoff <laughs> team, do they? No, no. So, what is the main issues with Pittsburgh right now, they just got smoked by the Houston Texans this past week, who I think are playing a lot better than anybody would have given them credit for to start the year.
1: Yeah. I mean, they absolutely are. Um, Look, the Steelers are a really bad team right now. Offensively, I think the defense for the Steelers, despite giving up 30 points, to the Texans still has thing get, get to the, Quarterback, you know they can really disrupt things, and they did not sack uh, C.J. Stroud. Despite Texas having two backups on the left side—left their left tackle and left guard. Their left guard was Kendrick Green, who basically got dumped by the Steelers to to the Texans. Um, so, but the offense is bad. I mean, it's it's everywhere. Like I, I think most of us didn't feel like Kenny Pickett was a first round quarterback that year. Uh, I. Don't think most of us. I know you certainly would not, Brian, have taken Najee Harris in the first round as a running back uh, that year. You know, the Steelers kind of have this old school offensive mentality, and Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, is just not experienced enough to utilize that. They're not playing their rookies. We to talk draft. Bridal Jones isn't getting playing time. He's going to have to now. The left tackle went down with an injury, Dan Moore. Um, Joey Porter's not getting playing time. When he does, he's excellent. There's not playing them. Uh, Darnell Washington, now is going to have to step in because Pat Fryermuth went down. So I'll, I'll, I'll just say with this, Mike Tomlin was asked on fourth and one. They went for it uh, to, you know, to try to, to get the game closer and could have changed the tide. It went with a pass, and Kenny Pickett just ran into a sack. And at, he was asked, why didn't you run the ball? It was because he so said Jones and Darnell Washington were in there, and they aren't a part of our short yardage package. I'm like, didn't you draft these guys to beat? They're like two of the best blockers, right? We talked about Darnell Washington, just another offensive tackle. Roderick Jones, one of the best run blockers in the draft last year. How do you not run the ball one yard your first round running back? It's just, yeah, that offense, the Steelers offense is going to be one of the worst in the league this year.
0: That was literally the one thing we knew that Darnell Washington could do. <laughs> yeah, can't do it. Not, not in our short yards game plans. Matt Canada was a trash offensive coordinator at NC State. So, I mean, suddenly he's going to be good at the NFL level. I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, doesn't, yeah. seem, doesn't seem great. So let's look at the other uh, the team at the bottom of the AFC North currently, the 1-3 Cincinnati Bengals. It doesn't fit to me that it's just as easy as saying, well, Joe Burrow's calf is hurting and they can't full go with their full offense. That's why they're bad. They've scored three touchdowns the entire season. In four games that ain't gonna that that doesn't hit at all and I don't know that it's all on Burrow not being able to do everything there to me there seems to be some other fundamental issues going on right now or maybe it is that and Zach Taylor and his play calling is just getting completely exposed now because he doesn't have Burrow at able to make the plays now they're probably not gonna have T Higgins this week Uh, Jamar Chase is always effing open. Just ask him, he'll tell you. Uh, (laughs) Which is probably true. Um, But their lack of preparation this offseason and trying to get a tight end in this offense. Oh, look, let's sign Irv Smith. Oh, no, Irv Smith is hurt. Two of the four games you played. Who could have seen this coming? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and then you haven't you, you gave no credence to needing a backup quarter. If you had any backup quarterback on this team right now, Burrow probably sits a couple of games, right? Because you could trust someone to come in and with the rest of their talent on offense, win one or two games. You can't do that now because your backup quarterback is Jake Browning, who wasn't good at Washington.
1: Yeah, so are they just hoping, you think, to get to the bye week? Like, is that is that just a hope now? Because to me, it's like, you, you lost anyway. Why not sit him? And next you're playing the Cardinals and then the Seahawks at home. Sit him. You know, just sit, sit, sit Burrow down. Maybe you can go one-on-one. That's fine. He can come back and you can try to beat the good teams.
0: Is it bad that I'm hoping AJ McCarron can pick this offense up here pretty soon, so he can come in and be the backup quarterback? Yeah, I
1: mean that's that's where I'm at
0: mentally. And then the flip side of that on defense, they're not stopping the run at all, and I don't know how you fix that currently because DJ, I mean, even with DJ Reader and those guys, they're just not stopping the run anymore, but you're also so far behind that teams are just running it down your throat now. So there's nothing you can do. They couldn't stop the Titans from play action, throwing the ball deep against, I mean, you just got beat by 24 points by the Tennessee Titans. They're not good. They're not a good football team. I don't don't think they are anyway. No, I don't think so. So now you're coming into a game this week with the Arizona Cardinals, where if you lose, your season is over. And that, yeah. that's that's just facts. You They're playing better. Four,
1: They're playing better than you right now. And the Cardinals
0: so. are playing better. They're playing than the Bengals are better than the Bengals are right now. If you that's fall right. to one and four, your season's over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. At that point, just sit, Joe, the rest of the year and, and get in the top five.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, you, you can go. go. I, I don't even know what. You, I don't even know who the Bengals will take in the top five. Like, I don't even know. Who would you want in the top five? Like, you, you, can't, you can't, you can't really. You're not going to take a left tackle. You can't do that anymore. You're not going to take a receiver. I don't think. I can take a quarterback.
0: And I don't. I, I feel like, like defensive tackle is probably their biggest hole. But who is there to take that high? Right? Nobody. There's nobody worth taking that high in this yeah, draft class. And he, I don't think. Uh, not at this point. I mean, I, I mean, I guess my first thought would be draft Fashanu or Alt and play him at right tackle.
1: Yeah, that just seems like
0: overkill. I mean, overkill I in a way. way it, it,
1: for your drafting guy, has never played right tackle.
0: I mean, maybe maybe it's Brock Bowers.
1: Just seems weird to do,
0: right? You know, maybe it's maybe it's somebody like Brock Bowers. Maybe you finally get a tight end. Maybe I don't know. Anything else in the NFL we need to talk about now that I've done ranting? Nah,
1: that's good. That was that was fun. That All was right. cathartic, I think, for both of us.
0: Yeah, we we we, we felt like we needed <laughs> we we needed you guys to be our therapist this week so we could get this <laughs> off our chest and and, and and make peace with it. All right, well, let's look back at uh, Week Five of college football this week and as always every week we 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 point out one offense and one defensive player that stood out to us in the games that we watched over the weekend I only watched three games um, this past weekend because I was in Chicago all weekend so I tried to cram in as much as I could so my um, had pickings were slim I guess for me but on offense, I went with Western Kentucky wide receiver Malachi Corley. I know it's a guy that you, that you like, Shane. A yeah. uh, little, little on the short side, your 5'11". But I think he's got a chance if he continues, you know, has a good rest of his process, maybe getting that top 100 conversation, although this is a deep – could end up being a very deep wide receiver group. Um, but I think Corley's a great route runner. He's got very reliable hands. caught eight of his 12 targets uh, for 81 yards. A couple of them targets were not – catchable i think but uh 81 yards no touchdowns against middle tennessee but uh, i i also like their quarterback austin reed as well i think he's a late round uh target but corley was my guy this
1: week oh, i like that pick he Like he's a little short but he's built i mean he's probably two yeah. 205 210 thick.
0: yeah yeah thick, so thick, a, thick build.
1: tough um yeah and he's fast he's athletic so that was a good pick um i'm I'm gonna take a low hanging fruit here for for my pick for obviously play of the week. I watched uh, the Southern Cal play against Colorado. and i'm I'm gonna take Caleb Williams. and look, it's like, okay, this guy's the number one overall pick, right? But if you remember coming into the year, there's a lot of that chatter of well, it's not that that far apart Caleb Williams and Drake May. like Drake May's bigger, and if he has if he has a, a good year, um, that he might go number one overall. And while you watch this game, I just don't see on NFL team as I watch this game and say, Oh, we're taking them. I mean, it was, 30 to 40, 403 yards, six touchdowns, uh, had the one kind of pick that just threw up. Um, but it was NFL throw after NFL throw sideline middle of the field. It, like you look at his passing chart and it's, it's everything. It's every throw, you know, this isn't a gimmicky offense we've seen Lincoln Riley quarterbacks have success I I I just I he's he's gonna contend to me if he keeps playing like this to be my best quarterback prospect ever in a lot of ways
0: what was noticeable when in some of the highlights and I watched some of the game uh in, in the in the hotel room there before we went out for lunch but um what was noticeable for me was you see one touchdown throw where he's like throwing across his body and throwing between three defenders just like a a a ball you should not be able to fit in there that he makes but then the very next touchdown throw it's it's you you see the nfl route and you see him make the timing throw between you know right down the seam and that's the throws that you know You don't see a lot of these prospects be able to make. It's the simple throws that you have to make in an NFL game, but you don't necessarily see it from all you're projecting it with a lot of these players. With Caleb Williams, you see it in action week after week after week. Yeah, he's he's the number one player in this draft class. Barring injury, I don't see that changing at all.
1: I don't even care about injury. Like, unless it's... I mean, nowadays, I don't think there's a career-ending injury that's out there on the field. You know what I mean?
0: The only thing that would... Like, it would be if it's something back or neck-related, you know, that could recur and cause, like, long-term... Like, that could shorten a career-shortening sh- career type stuff. I, that, that would be the only thing. If it's anything, like, leg-related at this point, I, I think I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, my... Defensive player this week, like I said, not a lot to choose from, but I settled on BYU linebacker Max Tooley. Doesn't get a whole lot of uh, buzz with some of the other defenders on that BYU team, uh, but Tooley uh, was all over the place against Cincinnati the other night. Uh, 16 tackles in that game, nine solos. Uh, just He's very, very gap uh, sound, makes plays, doesn't, doesn't get caught off guard, and that's something that I like to see. I don't know that he's the most athletic guy I don't see him, maybe he doesn't even get drafted, but I think he's a guy, you know, he's definitely going to be a special teams contributor in the NFL, but I think he's a very solid guy that if you want as your, you know, sixth linebacker on your team that plays all of your special teams units, I think Thule can be that guy.
1: Yeah, maybe an intriguing late round undrafted free agent. I like that pick. Mine is DJ James, the cornerback out of Auburn. We talked about him last week. They went up against Georgia and gave them all they could handle. And James uh, kind of flashed for me in everything. Once again, not a big stat week for him, but he was locking down Georgia's number one receiver in Dominic Lovett. Moved often, not always, but often with him um, left side, right side which was uh, that's always a, a check for me, like you're not just playing one side and sticking there, and, and we got to try to project things. I uh, Got his nose dirty in the run game, had a tackle for loss on a screen pass, like did a little bit of everything. So he's, he's intriguing as a day-two corner who has some physicality and has some really fluid backpedal and, and movement skills to stick with, you know, a very talented receiver and the number one team in the country.
0: Yeah, James originally went out to Oregon to play and then transferred back to Auburn. He's a local kid here in Mobile, so uh, intriguing stuff. And I think we can chalk him up in the Senior Bowl. Yeah, just just, just write
1: that name yeah, in right now.
0: Just go ahead and go ahead and uh, pencil <laughs> that baby in. All right, let's look ahead now to Week Six. There's some there's some fun matchups here uh, this week, and we're gonna start at eleven a.m. on ESPN. I'll be watching LSU at Missouri. LSU coming off of that which was a fun game, uh, against uh, Mississippi on Saturday night. They lost 55-49. to They come back and have to play Missouri, who is undefeated at this point in time. Um, So Missouri, their quarterback, Brady Cook, hasn't thrown an interception in like 360-something pass attempts dating back to last season. That's pretty impressive, right? Missouri's also got a couple of other guys that I think are – uh, intriguing prospects with offensive tackle Javon Foster, uh, their left tackle. They also have a couple of corners. Chris Abrams-Drain, uh, who's also, I think, local to Mobile. One Or one of their corners is local to Mobile. Maybe maybe uh, Abrams-Drain, it might be uh, Rick Straw Jr., one of them is. Um, but there, there are a couple of guys I think are draftable as well. And LSU, of course, loaded with prospects, probably led by Malik Neighbors, their wide receivers.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's actually going to be a pretty good game. You know, I talked about last week some of the LSU defenders. I'll, I'll kind of bang that drum again. Mason Smith and, and Makai Wingo, I think, are two players who for LSU who have first-round potential. Um, and, you know what, I'm going to drop a little special teams. Harrison Meevis, the kicker for Missouri, uh, he, he is 250-plus pounds. Very and, thick. Yeah, and he, he, uh, thick. And he's like, musky, he's, he's not like, you know, We've had some of those fat kickers in the past that are just just big guys. I mean, he's built and he can kick a ball. He's a distance kicker. No, he's not the most accurate, but uh, definitely an intriguing kicker prospect.
0: Yeah, hit a game-winning 61-yard field goal uh, to beat Kansas State earlier in the season. Uh, what's your thoughts on quickly on Jaden Daniels and how he's played this year?
1: I think it's similar to me to Dorian Thompson-Robinson last year where you're starting to see a little bit of flashes as a passer – Gene Daniels always been the athlete, big time recruit. Um, you know who's who's had to move around and had some success last year at LSU after Arizona State. I think he gets drafted. I think he's a draftable quarterback. Uh, when a bunch of guys go back to school, someone takes him day three, and maybe he can be a, a backup with some upside.
0: Eleven a.m. on ABC, Shane, you'll be watching the Red River rivalry between Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma, Texas, both undefeated coming into this football game Oklahoma returning from dead they were they weren't a good football team last year and and they seem to have it uh, their quarterback Dylan Gabriel uh, playing playing very good football this year and they have a couple of offensive linemen that I think we both like uh, especially Andrew, uh, Andrew Raim their uh center I believe he's a center and Texas you you touched on this so, so I want to let you take the four here they're running back uh, Jonathan Brooks
1: yeah, I, I watched the Kansas game. I kind of went back and watched some of the Texas games. Jonathan Brooks, 30 year running back, wasn't necessarily supposed to be the starter. A lot of people thought the incoming five star freshman, CJ Baxter, would get the job, but he got hurt. Uh, Brooks has been super impressive. 200 yard game against Kansas. He dominated. Really, uh, you know, athletic. He's, he's a Texas recruit. But he has the patience and the vision is there. He just kind of perfect timing skills at running back. So really intriguing running back that's moved up into my top ten running backs uh, for this class. But I'm excited for this one. Last year Texas kind of drubbed Oklahoma. I think this one this game will be a little bit closer. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely interested. You know, JT Sanders, the tight end for Texas, is a, a super athlete that maybe has some first round potential as well, and I've, I've always liked uh, Tavondre Sweat, their defensive lineman, big nose tackle. Um,
0: there is a question of whether Sanders is going to play this week or is dealing with an injury. Uh, yeah. I read something about that earlier. Uh, Quinn Ewers, uh, you still f- and we'll, – we'll talk about him probably a little bit, I imagine, but uh, is, is he still a, a high thought-of prospect for you?
1: Yeah, he, he's, he's played extremely well this season. The Alabama game, I thought, really stepped up into his own and has been consistently getting better. So you know, I think people forget Quinn Ewers came into college early. He left high school a year early. So age-wise, he's about the same, but definitely less experience. I think it's showing this year the physical talents that he has.
0: 2 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Shane, you'll be watching Washington State and UCLA. Um, UCLA struggling a bit on offense Uh, the last few weeks. I still love their edge rusher, Laitu Latu. But Cam Ward, man, has really been playing his butt off here so far this season and emerging as a uh, draftable quarterback prospect.
1: Yeah, he's really intriguing, Cam Ward, for Washington State, because uh, does he come out? I think he has another year of eligibility. He had transferred up from Incarnate Word last year, didn't play as well as people thought, but this year, I mean, he's running, he's throwing the ball. Um, and I think a lot a testament to that is the Washington State offensive line. Um, Fa Lili, is an offensive tackle prospect that maybe has a shot to go in the top 100, really light on his feet, you know, kind of that old zone blocking uh, offensive tackle. So he's definitely intriguing to me as well. And I, I kind of like the running back, Nakia Watson, pass catcher, bit but bigger back. Has had some injuries this year, but uh, is uh, interesting. I'll, I'll drop the uh, the Murphy twins for UCLA edge rushers as well. Gabriel Murphy and Grayson Murphy, uh, both pretty good.
0: There you go. 2.30 uh, p.m. on ESPNU. I'll be watching Texas State at Louisiana. And Texas State is an intriguing team because everybody talks about Colorado and the roster turnover that Deion Sanders did there. With But uh, G.J. Kinney came up from our Incarnate Word to Texas State, and he basically did the same thing at Texas State. Uh, Were they about like 57 to 65 or something, something like that, some ridiculously high number of new players in there as well, a lot of transfers, and that's led by uh, the former Arkansas quarterback Malik Hornsby. Who's had a very good season so far for them?
1: Well, he, he got benched, so he's he's not the Everybody, starter this year. TJ Finley now, TJ Finley, uh, Malik. It, it was it was weird. Like as a college based football guy, it made me mad because Malik Hornsby was announced the starter and then did not start week one and has not started yet this year. So the old Auburn quarterback, unfortunately, Hornsby. I, I like him a lot too. Uh, hasn't gotten the shot yet.
0: Well, maybe they should move him because like Arkansas did. Yep. I, guess I moved him running back and he did okay. Um, well, TJ Finley, the former Auburn and LSU quarterback, now at Texas State, I guess, is a starter. A uh, couple other players uh, Texas State has that I'm intrigued to watch Nash Jones, their offensive tackle, as well as uh, Bo Corrales, the former SMU wide receiver, now at Texas State, seventh year player, six-three-two-ten, uh, 210. Down year for talent for the Raging Cajuns, but they have a solid. Uh, interior offensive line prospect and A.J. Gilley. And I really uh, like their undersized tight end, uh, Neil Johnson.
1: Yeah. It, uh, Texas State's offense is definitely interesting. I like Ashton Hawkins, too, has been a successful kind of small speed receiver that's done well in that uh, G.J. Kenny offense. This, this will be a good game. Uh, I'm excited to hear about it next week.
0: Texas State's been fun to uh, bet on as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 3 p.m. on Fox, Uh, Shane, you'll be watching UCF at Kansas. I don't really know what to make of UCF after that game last week where they blew, like, a 35-point lead to Baylor and lost. But uh, they have a couple of intriguing players there to watch. My favorite is probably Ricky Barber, their interior defensive lineman. Uh, Kansas, I watched them a few weeks ago. They're really fun. They have a pair of running backs that I like, Uh, Devin Neal, their third year back, and I was really impressed with uh, Rick Heshaw, uh, the other running back, just based off his pass-blocking ability and his ability in the passing game. He's really rock-solid, 5'10", 220-pound back. They do a good job uh, with their running game, and it starts with Jalen Daniels, their quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, Daniel's been good. I think Devin Neal has impressed me a lot more this year than I kind of expected him to. So that's um, he's gotten back on my radar a little bit as a, a better pick. I just like their safety, uh, Kenny Logan Jr., who's kind of a read-and-react type of safety back there for Kansas. UCF, not a ton of prospects I love. Probably uh, Tremont Morris Brash is, is my favorite, the pass rusher for them.
0: 6.30 p.m. on NBC. I'll be watching the battle for the little brown jug, Minnesota and Michigan. I haven't watched Michigan yet this season. So we're going to skip over J.J. McCarthy because we're going to talk about him a little bit later. But I am intrigued to see their receiver, Roman Wilson. Saw him getting a lot of buzz uh, this week. He looks like he's uh, becoming a solid prospect there. And Blake Corum, their running back uh was a big fan of his last year before the injury, anxious to see how how back he is. Um as for for Minnesota, we, we've talked about them a couple of weeks ago, but I my main focus in this game for them is their safety, Tyler Newbin.
1: Yeah, uh, first round potential for him. I uh, Michigan, I think the offensive line just yeah. Miles Miles hitting on the right side coming in from Stanford, uh, Drake Nugent, uh the, the center as his lead Really well, uh, also came from Stanford and Zach
0: Center as Zach's
1: well. Zach Center, yeah. I mean, they could uh, Carson Barnhart, the left tackle, like they they could have the line drafted this year, yeah.
0: Um, 7 p.m., some kind of Mountain West video, <laughs> I, yeah. I,
1: I didn't know this when so I Took okay, it. I I didn't see that, so I got to make sure I can watch this game. I will sure now. I will
0: like... say this: it's all you have to do is go to like Mountain West video, just Google okay, it. Okay, just Google it because right. I watched the end of the Utah State uh, James Madison game on there a few weeks ago because I was trying to see a bet through. So uh, it is it is a thing that exists. But Colorado State at Utah State, seven p.m. Mountain West video of some kind, Shane. Um, Utah State pick clean. As far as prospects go, a lot of them transferred out. What prospects they did have: Terrell Vaughn, their receiver, a very small guy, but probably their best prospect. Uh, Colorado State does have some guys, right? And starts with Tory Horton, their wide receiver, Uh, but Mo Kamara, their edge rusher, uh, short six one, but man, he can get after the passer. And look out for their tight end, Dallin Holker, six five two thirty five, good guy to watch.
1: Yeah, I had a good call. I mean, I like, I like Terrell Vaughn as maybe an undrafted free agent type for Utah State that he got blanked against UConn. Um, Dallin Holker is is super intriguing. He's having a really good year, transferred from BYU, and had some success there. Us like Jack Howell, the safety for Colorado State as a true freshman, was one of the best safeties in the country. He's taking kind of a step back. He's not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy. Um, but you mentioned Mo Kamara, and I, I love Torrey Horton. He, he does
0: everything well. And finally, 9.30 p.m. on ESPN, I'll be watching Arizona at Southern Cow. Yes, finally, the official watch of Caleb Williams is on for me <laughs> as they play Arizona. Will Jaden Delara play and give them some competition? We'll see. Uh, Jacob Cowing, the former UTEP wide receiver, is a stud out there as well. Jason Harris, their edge rusher, 6'7-240 is one to watch. And so is Oregon transfer at linebacker Justin Flo. Those are some good players for the Wildcats. Uh, we also, I mean, we've, we've talked about Southern Cal a lot here. Anybody else that we haven't talked about uh, that we need to look, that I need to look at in this game?
1: No, I, I think you hit it. Um, Southern Cal-wise, we talked last week a little bit about the receivers, but I, I think Brendan Rice, uh, son of Jerry Rice, is, has really emerged as the number one there. I maybe was downplaying him a little bit too much. Um, so he, he might've emerged as, as a real prospect, maybe the best, uh, of the receivers for Southern cows. So that is, uh, yeah, that's fitting.
0: Yeah. He's really good. It's nice to see, you know, a guy who's, I mean, the, the, what kind of shadow is he in? Right. I mean, your dad's only the greatest to ever play the position in football history and you're trying to do the same thing. Yeah. It's tough. All right, let's uh let's move on now to our favorite segment of the week. Our lock of the week, Shane. uh Boy, Illinois shit the bed last week.
1: Oh man, it was that was maybe the worst lock of the week I've ever had.
0: We got plus one and a half, and that one they lost by like forty. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Wasn't good, Shane. It wasn't good. <laughs> it was so bad. You dropped to three and three, but you know who didn't? Oh. Jacksonville State, baby. 5-0 now against the spread. I went to bed Thursday night. I'm like, oh, this is over. They're down 28-21. to 21 as There's no chance. I wake up, never a doubt. 35-28, come back, win in overtime. They cover the 6.5. I go to 4-2. and two. They are currently playing right now, and I did bet it, but it's not my of the week. I don't even know what the score is. But they're over on, I think, ESPNU or something or another um, against Middle, Middle Tennessee. I got it at 4.5. Uh, It's dropped to two and a half, so a lot of action coming in on those Gamecocks. But that's not the lock. Colorado, this feels like a trap. It feels (laughs) like a trap to me. They're at Arizona State, but the Buffaloes coming off their second straight loss are only four and a half point favorites at Arizona State. It feels like a trap, but I'm going to take Colorado and Coach Prime and Shardir Sanders anyway. Give me the Buffaloes minus four and a half at Arizona State.
1: It's fair. It might be a little bit of a trap because I think Vegas knows people will bet on Colorado still. Yes. That's the why I feel,
0: I feel like I'm I've, I've taking the bait.
1: Like, like, I actually kind of think mine is also bait. So we might be both getting baited into a loss here because I am taking Washington State plus three and a half at UCLA. Washington State is ranked 13th in the country. UCLA is unranked and favored by a, over a field goal seems a little odd, but I mean, like we talked about that Washington State offense has been so good. Cam Ward's been so good. Dante Moore starting for UCLA as a true freshman. I think it's going to be very difficult um, for them to win this game. So I think Washington State wins and I get three and a half points in case they lose by a field goal. I got to take it.
0: I like it. I, I do like it that UCLA's offense has struggled where Washington State's has not. Yeah. And so it feels good. It feels good. All right. So every year we've done this podcast, we always, like, in midseason, like, break down our, our top five at each position, you know, and and it's fun to look back on as the process gets going. But we're, and we're going to start that tonight with the quarterbacks in the 2024 class, but I want to do it a little different this year, Shane. So I propose to you, you know, we can rank the, our top five quarterbacks as we have them right now. But those five quarterbacks may not enter the NFL draft. You know, there's a lot of – with with NIL and the portal and the COVID year still hanging around, these guys can stay in school longer now. So it feels like we have to kind of rethink how we're looking at players and who will actually enter the 2024 NFL draft class. So that's how we're going to look at it tonight. We're going to look at the top five quarterbacks in the 24 class that we expect – to actually enter the draft. Number 1 is easy. It's Caleb Williams. We Caleb Williams note despite what his father may have said weeks ago, Caleb Williams is going to enter the draft. Caleb Williams is going to be the number 1 pick in the draft. And according to math nerds out there, a 57% chance he's quarterback in the Chicago Bears next year. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's my number one as well, pretty b- by a mile, my number one prospect in this class pretty easily. I don't think that's going to change. He's just been exceptional since he took the field when Spencer Rattler got benched at Oklahoma and it's, it's only gone up from here. So um, I think I want, the only thing about Caleb Williams is it, people look at him and think, Oh, this is a guy that can run. And he, he doesn't that much. There might be a CJ Stroud kind of situation where he can and, they don't ask him to. We've seen a couple games where Caleb Williams kind of busted that out and been very dangerous. Um, but he doesn't necessarily use that tool a lot in college football. So uh, that's something that's a, a note to have. But he has the arm talent. He has the, the mental fortitude, smart, smart player. I, I think Caleb Williams is going to be the number one overall pick for sure.
0: Yeah. He's, his ability to make plays on the run and off script, which you have to do in today's NFL – are are unbelievable Um, number two for me. And I'm assuming number two for you as well is Drake may from North Carolina.
1: It is. Uh,
0: Drake may is, he's, he's a very good quarterback prospect. He's got the arm. He also is a very athletic guy. Although I don't think he gets credit for it that, you know, the way he makes plays, he can also make plays off script, but everything he does is dialed back a little bit from what Caleb Williams does. They're very similar in the way they make plays to me, but Williams does it at such a higher level than Drake May does. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Drake May. That just shows you how much better I think Caleb Williams is. I think Drake May is a top is gonna go in the top 10, maybe even probably the top five. I I, I imagine depending on how how the order shakes out.
1: I think it's been interesting because we came into the year with Caleb Williams, Drake May, the top two for sure, you know, top 10 picks, top five picks. I don't think Drake May's played as well as expected. Like, I don't think he's played like a top five pick. Now he has the physical tools and the makeup. He's, you know, 6'4", 230, can can run extremely fast. He's very athletic. He's had bad halves. He's had bad games, like the, the game against Pitt had a half that wasn't very good and then a half that was like a highlight reel. You know, it's he's just not I, I don't feel comfortable saying like Drake May's man this isn't um you know what Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields was for me where I thought hey both these guys are really good. Last year was CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, my number 2, number 3 players in the draft. I don't think that's what this is going to be. I think I'll have Drake May maybe lower than he goes in the draft on my big board I'm fifth right now and it feels like someone's going to move up to two to take him because the cat after this, that there's a big chasm to be to, in these quarterbacks.
0: Yeah. I have him. It's 10th on my board uh, right now. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think he's going to go in the top five, but cause like you said, there is a, there's a large drop off from two to three. So that brings us to three. Now I'm curious who yours are it, and this is hard for me to say. Bo Nix is my number three quarterback. Oh, (laughs) yeah, there you go. Draft class. And anybody who has listened to this show more than twice has heard my disdain for Bo Nix as a quarterback prospect, but he is so much better than he was at Auburn now. I can finally say that he's got a great arm. He definitely can move in the pocket. He moves. I mean, he's still has the occasional bonehead play, but it's not near to the level. It was early on his career at Oregon or in his years at Auburn. So Bo Nix currently number three for me. I think he ends up in the first round, maybe in the teens, uh, maybe in the 20 range. I don't know, but I think Bo Nix is the third quarterback taking this class. And I think bold prediction here on October 4th, 2023, there are, he's there are only three quarterbacks that go in the first round bo nix is the third
1: it's interesting bonix is not my number three quarterback i made a change this week and quinn ewers the quarterback of texas is my number three quarterback i think he has played well enough to take that spot um and i could tell we'll talk uh bo Nix uh, and my thoughts on him in a bit, but I, I think Quinn Ewers. I kind of was coy about him when we talked about him before. I mean, ten touchdowns to one pick in that Kansas game when it was already, you know, it was already kind of out of hand. Um, he absolutely dominated Alabama. Honestly, two years in a row. I mean, last year if we would have gotten hurt, it, we I think we would have been talking about him in this way as the number three and a much closer player to that number two spot. Alabama is really the only defense that he's played. Probably is the only real defense he's going to play all year. I think that's a question mark, but he, he's young. He has the athletic tools. He can move around in the pocket. When you talk about throwing off platform, um, he has that. He's run for five touchdowns this year. Like Quinn Ewers has that full package and he's finally putting it together. I think he, if he can play like this, I think he's a near lock for the first round and comes out. Um Just because of the athletic tools and the youth, compared to a Bo Nix who's been in college for what feels like twenty years,
0: but technically only five. Technically only five, right? Uh, So you feel that Quinn Ewers will enter this draft class?
1: I do. I think he does if he keeps playing like this. Like if you had asked me three weeks ago, I said, "Eh, I don't know." You know. um, I think another problem is he can't. He's this is his last year as a starter, Texas, right? I have to imagine Texas has uh, made a commitment to Arch Manning to start in year two. Uh, So Quinn Ewers, if you're going to stay, you got to transfer again, which creates its own issues. I think he's got to go.
0: I mean, that is the dream scenario for Texas, right? Is Quinn Ewers takes him to the playoff, rides off into the sunset to the NFL Arch Manning takes over, right? That's that's that was the dream process that they thought of when Arch Manning committed. So, Quinn Ewers is by the way not ranked on my quarterback board or not in my top 100. I haven't watched him yet. So, I no. can't commit to him yet. So, once I get a Texas game in me, I can I can put Quinn Ewers on my board and probably we'll see. Very high yeah. on my board. We'll we'll see. Uh, number four for me is the guy who is just lighting up college football, probably more than any other Power Five quarterback this year. Uh, I have a couple of issues with him, but like I said, based off the rest of the class and who I think will declare, um, I go with Michael Penix Jr. from Washington here, sixth year player, which is a problem, which is a problem. Uh, because of his the age he'll enter the NFL. You don't use age as an issue with as much, especially with quarterbacks anymore. I, I know you've, you've spoken of that. But Pennix, uh he's got a great arm. He's, he's very accurate with the football. Uh, the other things working against him, though, I mean, I, I guess people use it against Tuatunga-Vailoa and Bryce Young as well, basically saying, well, look what he's throwing to each and every week. If you're going to hold that against Tua, which I didn't, and Bryce Young, you have to hold that against Penix because he's got three potential top 100 receivers uh, on his roster currently. Uh, and he's also left-handed, and that bugs me. So, <laughs> <laughs> But those are my qualms with Penix. But like I said, I think he's a really talented player. I think he's going to have a solid process throughout. He's going to go to probably the Senior Bowl and have a good week down there and then continue you know, on throughout the rest of the process.
1: My number four is Bo Nix. I I think he, he, it wasn't so much what he did that dropped him from three to four for me, but just what Quinn Ewers did to move him up. I mean, like you talked about, Bo Nix is so much better at Oregon than he ever was at Auburn has some of the rushing ability commands that offense. Well, Um, you know, he, he's going to fit certain schemes and systems you want to plug him in a, a Shanahan system. I think Bonix can have the timing to be, you know, what Brock Purdy's doing and be able to do that. So to me, that's worth a late first round pick. Maybe Will Levis is it goes early second. Now the one the one thing that holds me back from Bo Nix is just he doesn't get pressured. Um, he is the lowest pressured quarterback in the Power Five. Um, our, our friend Travis May was guest on the show last year. Uh, gave me these stats: seven point four three percent pressure rate for Bo Nix on seven percent of his uh, passes. The next lowest is Carson Beck at fifteen point nine. The Power Five average is thirty percent. Like no one, no one gets close to even pressuring Bo Nix. How is that going to work in the NFL? That's my one fear, and I think NFL teams might back away in the first round because they don't have that question answered.
0: Not not to delve away from what we're talking about, but I'm curious what Spencer Rattler's pressure rate is. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have to ask and more look, more, that, look that up and, uh, and let me know after the show. Uh, so number five to me, and, and this, could, this comes back to what the base of the exercise was, guys we expect to enter the draft. I would have probably had Shadur Sanders here from Colorado, but I think he's staying in school. Same for Riley Leonard. I don't think he's going to declare for the draft this year either out of Duke. So that brings me to my number five quarterback that I think will enter the 2024 draft is Florida State's Jordan Travis. And he's a player that is another, like I said, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, is a, is a great athlete. Um, he doesn't always make the right throw. And he's also, but his weapons have increased around him to the point that he's able to take more chances with Ke- with Keon Coleman out there and with Johnny Wilson and with Jaheem Bell you know he's able to take more chances now but I like Jordan Travis's skill set. I, I think he's got a lot of drive because he almost basically quit the game and then or changed positions and then but settled at quarterback and he's gotten a lot better at it. So I like Jordan Travis here. he's another that I think will be a senior bowl quarterback uh, come late January. And I think we'll see him, you know, maybe have a chance to go in that early day three range.
1: I think that's fair. I it, Jordan Travis doesn't feel like an NFL quarterback. You know, there's definitely some passes. You're like, oh, okay. Like, he could do that every time um, we could right.
0: be talking about something. Consistency is the issue here, I think, yeah. in a, from the skill set for, for Travis. Yeah, but
1: number five is close for me. Like, like with you, I mean, I have – there's three quarterbacks that – Contend for my number five spot. Shadur Sanders from Colorado is one of them. I don't think he's definitely going back, right? Even if he uh, balls out the rest of the season, I think he stays, tries to win something with his dad there. The other is JJ McCarthy from Michigan. Uh, he's close. I, I still have some reservations. Maybe I should be getting on board. We'll talk about him a little bit later, but uh, I think he goes back to school. So I'm going to go with Michael Penix here at five. Cause after that, I think it's just like, uh, even bigger chasm to the next quarterback uh, after this top five. Um, you know, like you talked about Penix pretty well. He has the passing. He stayed healthy so far this season. If he stays healthy, then I'm I'm much more in. My problem is he can't move worth a lick. Like it's not quite as bad as Carson Strong was, if you remember him as a prospect yeah. from Nevada who went undrafted. But it's not it's not that, that much better. It. It's not that much better. I mean, he. he he has those moments sometimes where he could scramble into a wide open space and pick up some yardage. Um, but, like, Michael Penix just is not going to throw on the run. He's not going to evade pressure. And I just don't know how many NFL teams anymore that can work for. And that's my one fear with him, why I think he might be closer to day three than round one. That's fair.
0: There are some other quarterbacks, like I said, we we've talked about that I think are going to be drafted. But I think they're all day three guys. Um, I, I really want to see Tyler Van I'll see more from Tyler Van Dyke. I, I think if there's a quarterback that's below this tier that can work his way into this tier, I think I think Van Dyke is that guy.
1: Yeah, uh, he he's really interesting. Another guy that could go back to school. Uh, I think a lot of depends of his offensive coordinator stays. That change has done wonders. Yeah, he's he's my number eight on my board after Penix, Sanders, and McCarthy. Yeah,
0: he's uh, he's there as well. So, all right. So that's the those quarter, the, our quarterback discussion uh, next week. Uh, sure, let's talk about running backs, Shane. Yes. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. We've got questions on Twitter. We've got questions on our Discord, so let's, uh, let's let's look at those. We'll start with the Discord, and it's a Debbie question, Shane. I know you like that sort of stuff. Beantown Nick asks, at this point in the college season, what are your current fantasy rookie tiers? How many players in the top tier? How many in the second tier of talent?
1: I think when we talk fantasy football, obviously something I, you know, I'm heavily into, um, it, it really comes down to draft capital. And so I think it just works well with this. Like if a guy gets drafted in the first round, he's going to be more of a higher tier player. Um, I mean, I, I think Caleb Williams and Drake may, like we talked about, if you, ha- if you can start two quarterbacks, they're right at the top. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is neck neck with them. And then I think Bowers from Georgia, the tight end. Like I think those four prospects, we feel good about them being top 15 picks and um, being really good. I think after that, there's kind of a what's happening with the running backs. We'll talk about it next week. Where's that draft capital look like? It's kind of a mess right now with how a lot of them have played. Uh, So I think there's kind of a big tier of running backs and the next tier of receivers, Mika Buka from Ohio State, neighbors, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. So I think you kind of have an elite four and then a big tier about – 10 to 15 players, perhaps. Um, but I think it's going to be a, a decently deep class um, in terms of running back, receiver, even tight end a little bit uh, when all said and done.
0: I have a question for you, Shane. We'll, we'll cheat a little bit here. Uh, Jim Nagy tweeted out earlier today in reference to Notre Dame's game against Duke last week said that Notre Dame defensive lineman uh, Howard Cross the III uh, had the best game tape of any interior defensive line prospect he's seen in years against Duke. Any thoughts on that or any thoughts on Howard Cross?
1: Well, I, I think I think he played well in that game. Uh, that game made me put him on my list of a player that I need to add to my rankings and, and get up there and have in my next mock draft. I did not see the best film that I've seen from an interior offensive live Like he was doing Notre Dame things against defenders who, to be honest that Duke are barely power five defenders. Like, I don't know. To me, that wasn't super impressive uh, that he was pancaking guys every once in a while. And he had some nice pulls, like some good run blocking in there, but I've seen that from other guys too. So I'm, I'm I'm not sure if I'm quite in the Jim hague Nicky, uh, hype train there, as we know he likes to do very well.
0: There you go. All right, let's go to the Twitter questions. Uh, at Ward Luckin asks, we'll keep this one brief since we're going to talk about it more in depth next week. But uh, So what's your take on the potential running back class with the preseason top two, Rocket Sanders and Trey Benson struggling production-wise? Are there others that can overtake them in the pecking order? Hell, I think you've already got one ahead of them already
1: right? Yeah, I, I've, it, it's rough because Rocket Sanders at our side, a knee injury, he came back, definitely doesn't look like himself. So like, what do you do with that? Um, and I think Trey Benson from Florida state, same thing, just hasn't ha, kind of hasn't, you can see it, but isn't quite there. Yeah. I, I actually have three players above them, uh, right now. We'll see about sticks next week. Um, how this week goes, but, uh, I Yeah, I think they're getting passed up, but I think we are seeing the emergence. Braylon Allen from Wisconsin now has a full load there. Trayvon Henderson from Ohio State looks healthy. He's, you know, dominated Notre Dame. And you mentioned Blake Corn from Michigan when we did our rundown as having another Heisman Trophy type year. So I think it's replacing running backs with, with other good running backs.
0: Does it feel like a good class?
1: It me, You know, initially? It, it, it feels like... What running back classes are now, right? Like, there's no first round pick here. Perhaps, you know, maybe, maybe there's, there's someone... no
0: Bijan. There's no Bijan. Right.
1: Spot. But we're going to get a lot of guys that are worth day two picks, and a couple of them fall to day three. But that's what we're going to get.
0: A um, couple guys that might sneak into my top five next week Dejan Edwards, Georgia. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd, Southern Cow. Maybe we'll see. Um, Next question here uh, comes from at Heels WNC, North Carolina guy here. How deep are the 2024 offensive weapons compared to recent years? It's a
1: good question. They're not, they're not as deep. Like I mentioned, I think it will end up being a deep class at running back and receiver, but we still, we're still in that weird COVID year where I think a lot of guys are going to go back to school. Um, but we've had that the past couple of years. I don't think the receiver class is nearly as deep as last year's was, for example. I do think the running back class can compare to last year, but still not be as good. Uh, but I, I think the quarterbacks, I think the quarterback class might have a little more depth uh, to it, and tight ends not going to compare depth wise last year. So I think last year's classes were deeper, um, you know, but you didn't have a Marvin Harrison last season, right? You didn't. Uh, so, I, I, think I think you didn't know, have Brock Bowers. I think those type of players will kind of prop it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, I feel good about four tight ends in this class. Uh, I feel good about, I feel better about the receivers than I do. I, I do,
1: but it falls off receivers. quick. It falls right. off
0: quick. Right, right, right. I I, I think you had the guys that will go in the top 100, and then it's a Yeah, the depth isn't there. I'm with you on that. Uh, And quarterbacks, I think the quarterback isn't great at the top, but I think there's more depth there, if that makes sense. So, uh, last question here, and we we said we were talking about it. uh, At Donald P. and a bunch of numbers, ask, do you think J.J. McCarthy has any chance of being one of the top three quarterbacks taken?
1: Yes. I you and I are probably too low in JJ McCarthy. Let's let's be honest. We probably are. Probably. Oh, I you know last year I wasn't super impressed with him. He is having a really good season so far. Other than throwing into double coverage multiple times against Bowling Green, uh, I just it was just weird. That was a weird game. But the rest of the games have been really good. Now I think he has a big test against Minnesota, which you'll watch. It's some big test. The end of the year: Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State. You know, he's got to perform there. Does he have a chance to be QB3? Like, absolutely. He has the size. He has the movement ability. He has the pedigree. Um, but I, I just have not trusted what I've seen as, a, you know, between the years up to this point, And I could definitely be proven wrong. But it feels like that kind of guy that I poo-poo for 80% of the year and we get to, like, January and everyone's like, yeah, J.J. McCarthy's Q- QB3, right? And then you're like, Ugh. You know what? What am I missing? So yeah,
0: anxious to get my uh, first real solid look at McCarthy this week. All right, that's going to do it for the questions. Uh, final thoughts, Shane. I wanted to uh, send our thoughts out to Greg Brooks Jr., the uh, DB from LSU, and his family. As it uh, it was discovered today that he has a medulla blastoma, which is a rare form of brain cancer. Um. So, uh, I mean, at best, at this point, football doesn't matter. You just hope that he can uh, he can live a, a normal life, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, someone my brother passed away from brain cancer caused by melanoma, Like I, it's it's really scary. But there's a lot out there, so hopefully, he'll Craig Brooks will be okay. Hopefully, they caught it early.
0: So that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the Draft Countdown podcast. As always, if you're new to the channel, uh, hit that subscribe button, uh, like the videos, and share them out. If you're listening to this on the audio version of our podcast, be it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is, whatever fine musical establishment that you listen to podcasts on, uh, give us a five-star review and share that out as well. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Howland. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown. And go to draftcountdown.com for all of your NFL draft needs 24 7. For Shane, I'm Brian. Good night, everybody.